Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there tuning in with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Revelation. I know it's going to be a blessing to you, and if it is, feel free to like it and share it with others. If you'll go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast. You can now get us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others as well. Feel free to contact us there on the website with questions and comments that you may have pertaining to the program today. Well, we're going to go on into our study now, picking it up in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 9, and we hope and pray that it'll be a blessing to you. chapter of the book of Revelation. If you have your Bibles and would like to turn there, you can. Uh, in this chapter, John sees three angels that are flying through the heavens. Uh, the first angel is found in verse 6, Revelation 14 in verse 6. Uh, he's preaching the everlasting gospel to them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred, tongue, and people. I think by looking at this verse that there's enough evidence here to say that uh, he'll be seen of men. And uh, if that's the case, no doubt television cap uh, cameras will capture this and broadcast it all over the world at that time. And uh, there are some that even think that his ministry will continue for the last half of the tribulation period. Uh, but we really don't know for sure about that. He's preaching the everlasting gospel. It's the same gospel that we preach today. Uh, the only difference is uh, today we preach the gospel and we warn people that a day of judgment is coming. But then the hour of judgment will have already come. Uh, at that time, 14 of the tribulation judgments uh, will have already taken place. Uh, with the worst still yet to come. He's also telling them to worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. That's the latter part of the seventh verse of Revelation chapter 14. And uh, the reason I believe that he's placing emphasis on this is because the false prophet is promoting worship of the Antichrist. And that's the reason for this particular part of the message. Now he's followed by a second angel, if you look there in verse 8. There followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Babylon started way back in the book of Genesis. Well, a man by the name of Nimrod uh, came to that particular area. There, It's believed to be the same area uh, where the Garden of Eden was at. And they said, let us build us a city, a tower up unto the Lord and worship God. They were seeking to draw close to the Lord by means and a ways that God did not approve of. In the book of Genesis, when man fell in the garden, God pointed to a redeemer and showed man how to have relationship with God. But man has always tried to seek and find another way 
to get to God other than the way that God has prescribed, which has always been through and by the sacrifice. Uh, but Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, and we look to his great sacrifice on Calvary as our way to have relationship with God. But at any rate, they were building this tower to make a name for themselves and to reach the heavens and whatever the case, God came down and uh, said, now nothing will be restrained from them of that of which they have imagined to do. And so the Lord did not see that as being a good thing. And so he confounded their language and divided up their languages and uh, it's called the Tower of Babel. They left off from building the city and uh, I guess they all just grouped together, whoever was speaking the same language. They got off in their own little groups. And it was also around that time during the days of Peleg that the earth was divided. Maybe you did not know this, but in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. At one point in time in the creation story, uh, God separated the water from the land. And uh, the thinking is, if you would take a ball and draw a circle around it, all the land is over here, all the water is over there. So all the land was in one place, all the water was in one place. But it was during the days of Peleg that the earth was divided. I'm not exactly sure uh, what verse that is in the book of Genesis. But uh, geologists say that uh, if you look at the different continents and whatever the case, it's all like a puzzle. And when you put it together, it, it would be like that. All the land would be on one side and all the water would be on the other. Uh, but be that as it may, when the people kind of got in their own groups, the earth was divided up into all the different continents. And that's how everybody got on their, their continents. At least that is the um, theory. At any rate, at the Tower of Babel, when all of that was um, destroyed and the people were scattered about all over the earth, they carried what they learned there at the Tower of Babel with them. And uh, it has spread all over the world today. And all the false religions in the world today can be traced back to uh, what took place there at the Tower of Babel. Uh, later on, some people came back and finished the Tower of Babel and made a rather large city out of it. Um, and this particular city was known as Babylon, and it was the uh, capital of the Babylonian Empire. That city was later destroyed, but what is being referred to here in Revelation 14 and verse 8, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, uh, lets us know that Babylon is going to be rebuilt. And Saddam Hussein, back years ago, started the reconstruction of that city. It is a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Now, where they're at today on that, I don't know. But uh, the foundations and whatever... Uh, the rebuilding of that city has already started. Now, by the midpoint of the tribulation period, uh, the city of Babylon will have become a great city of commerce, uh, having quite an impact on the entirety of the earth. And uh, this angel is giving the announcement that Babylon is going to fall. 
And uh, a lot of people are not going to believe that because Babylon is going to be in its heyday, if you will. But uh, just a short time later, over in Revelation chapter 16, verses 17 through 19, uh, we read about the seventh vile judgment. That city will be destroyed in just a few minutes by a massive earthquake that will take place. And uh, the angel is giving that particular message. Uh, tonight we want to take a look at the message of the third angel. We looked at this here just a few weeks ago. Uh, Revelation 14 and verse 9. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image, and receive his mark in their forehead, or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Now, we're going to go back to the 13th chapter tonight, if you will. We want to take a look at the mark we went over this just a few weeks ago, but to kind of bring us up to speed, Revelation 13, move down, if you will, to verse 11. Revelation 13, verse 11, I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. Uh, this is the false prophet that we talked about just a few minutes ago. And uh, he's going to be preaching a message here of worshiping the Antichrist. Let's take a look at it. Verse 12, He exercised all the power of the first beast before him and caused the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Uh, the false prophet is going to be empowered by the powers of darkness just like the Antichrist is going to be. Verse 13 says that he does great wonders so that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men and deceives them that dwell on the earth by the means of the miracles which he had the power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as should not worship the image of the beast should be killed. The false prophet is going to do these things to promote worship of the Antichrist. And if you don't worship the Antichrist, then you're going to be considered a threat. You'll be considered a terrorist. And uh, they're going to kill you. But uh, how are they going to find out who is faithful in worshiping the Antichrist and who is not. They're going to do it through and by the mark. Verse 16, He causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in the right hand of the forehead, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name, here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding 
Count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, threescore, and six. Now, let me remind you of something before we get into this subject again tonight. The mark of the beast will not be given until after the rapture of the church. Actually, it will not even be given then until the midpoint of the tribulation period. So you don't have to worry about taking the mark of the beast now. You don't have to worry about all of that taking place right now. So all of this is going to be yet still in the future. But the stage has already been set. And uh, you need to know these things. When you go to the store, and whatever product it is that you're buying... It's got a little code on the back of it. It's called a barcode. And this system has been in place since the early 70s. And the most common barcode that's used today is the UPS EAN13 uh, barcode. It's used all over the world. And when you look at that barcode, it's got two little lines that extend down. They're a little bit longer than the rest of the lines on that barcode. And the reason they came up with the barcode system is because a computer can't read numbers like you and I can. It takes a look at those lines. It looks at the width of the lines and the spaces between the lines. And when it, that computer sees that gap in there, the thickness of those lines and that space, it automatically registers that as a number. But when you look at that barcode, you've got two double lines that come down uh, at the beginning, in the middle, and at the end of that barcode. And that computer reads those two little lines as a six. So embedded in the barcode today is the number 666. Most people don't know that. They don't realize it. But we're living in a day and age now where the number 666 is already in place. You can't buy anything today without that little code being on there. And let me remind you what the scripture says. That, uh, that no man might buy or sell save he that has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, verse 16 says that it will be in the right hand or the forehead. Now, we already see it on our products that we buy. But what we need to be looking out for is something being promoted in the right hand or the forehead. Now, you and I as Christians, we're not going to have to worry about that. We don't have to be looking for a barcode in the hand and all that kind of stuff. We just need to be looking for the Lord Jesus Christ to come back. And uh, he's soon to return to rapture the church out at any time. But I think all of us are familiar with the different ways and methods of controlling a computer. Uh, for years, they've used a keyboard, QWERTY keyboard, the little mouse that you move around and click on stuff. Uh, today, they've got touch screens. I've got an iPad up here. I can pull it up and just hit stuff on that screen and just open up and do all kinds of stuff just by simply touching the screen. 
uh, you can do things. Uh, even on my iPad there, I can hit a little button and talk to it, and it'll take me over to whatever website I want to go to, tell me how to get to certain places. I don't have to ask Dana where to go no more. I can just ask my iPad where to go, and it'll tell me. Uh, problem is, I just don't know exactly how to ask that thing what to do. I think my southern drawl kind of messes it up. Whoever designed these things must have been uh, very... <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, it's got a GPS on there. You could probably tell where we've been at any rate. Um, they've been working with different ways companies have to try to integrate man and machine. And they've come up with all different methods and ways. Uh, one way that they're using right now, the FDA has approved a pill that you can take that turns you into a human antenna. And certain devices uh, recognize and know that that is you. And doctors use it in hospitals for different things and, and whatever the case. But that little pill that you take, uh, devices can recognize you and know that it is you. Uh, other companies now are coming out with uh, patches that look kind of like a tattoo. And you stick it on your arm and it'll stay on your arm for five to six days, whatever the case. And uh, you just go on about your daily activities, and uh, as long as that thing is on you and you're close by your phone, your phone will just automatically open up. You don't have to stand there and remember, try to remember what your code was, or you sit down at your computer and try, oh, why do I get in, log in? And, uh, the computer just automatically knows it's you because you're wearing that patch on your arm or whatever the case. And uh, these things are good, but uh, eventually... It's going to get old having to put a patch on your arm or take a pill or something like that. So I think the next thing that's coming out, and they're already experimenting with it, is called the biochip. And they inject it under your skin, and it's being promoted as a good thing. And right now it is a good thing. There's all kind of things that you can do uh, with that biochip. Um, you can use it to unlock your phone, unlock your computer. You can unlock your car with it. If you got the right stuff, you can unlock your house with it if you want to. You can use it as a bank card, debit card. Um, when you go to work, it can be used. You just scan your hand across the machine, and it opens the door and lets you in uh, to work. It can be used as, uh, as your time card. You walk by, you swipe the machine, and... Uh, it knows it's you, it knows that you're there, and while you're there, you get paid. And, you know, all of this stuff sounds good, but uh, I think it's, it's, it's leading up to something. And I think the, the mark of the beast is what it's leading up to. Now, I don't know if the, the biochip is going to actually be the mark or not now, we don't have to worry about it now because the Antichrist is not even on the scene. But all of this stuff is straining toward that day for a one-world system and for one man to come in and make it mandatory to take it in whatever the case. Now, the biochip uh, is being placed in hands 
but the Bible says in the forehead. A short time ago, they implanted a biochip in a man's brain. The man was paralyzed, been that way for years. They put a device on his wrist and activated it, and that man was able to move the fingers on his hand just by thinking about it. He was also able to move a robotic hand just a few feet away just by thinking about it. The technology, folks, is already here. Now they're talking about communicating with other people just by thinking. That's where we're at. Being able to control devices is one thing, but now wait a minute. If this thing were to become mandatory and you take it and they flip a switch and turn it around, it's not so much you controlling devices and other things, but it becomes them controlling you and making you do things that are against your will. But we're slowly becoming accustomed to this thing. And uh, after a while, I think it's just going to be mandatory. If you want to get on the on Facebook or if you want to open up your computer and, and do these things, I mean, if you want to watch TV at night, you're going to have to have that chip. And especially if they make it mandatory. That they're talking about now uh, making it mandatory for children when they're born to have one of these chips It'll take the place of Social Security number. All these things are being talked about now. And it's just a matter of time before they get everything perfected and everything's in the place. Um, but something's going to happen. And like I said, I don't know if it's the biochip or not, but whatever the mark is, it's going to be irreversible. It's going to be something that will override a person's will. Uh, when they take it, they will know what they're doing. They will have rejected Christ. Uh, they will have sided pretty much with the Antichrist. And they're doomed. And that's what this message is all about. Revelation fourteen nine. the third angel said with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand makes no difference who it is or what their situation is. If they take that mark, verse 10 says, The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. Those who take the mark will experience the seven vile judgments which are yet to come. We're going to take a look at that a little bit later on. But uh, God is angry, and the reason God is angry is sin has to be judged. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. God sent his only son into this world, Jesus Christ, to take that cup of judgment for us. And he did that when he died on Calvary's cross. The church has been preaching that gospel for the past 2,000 years. And men have turned their nose up at it. They have rejected the message. They've laughed at it, made fun of it. 
when the rapture of the church takes place, it's going to speak volumes to this world. Many are going to know without a shadow of a doubt what is taking place, and, and some are going to turn to God. But some people are going to be hard-headed, and they're going to ignore it, just like they ignore any other message that's being preached today. They're just going to ignore it. God's going to send judgment after judgment. I mean, there's no way to explain the things that will be taking place at that time other than it's God that's doing these things, but men are still going to ignore it. They're still going to reject God. I mean, we just looked at it a few minutes ago, the angels that will be flying through the heavens at that time. One of the first ones preaching the gospel. The second one gives the message of Babylon is fallen. The third one here is warning man about taking the mark, and men are still going to ignore it. God's done all he can do. I mean, how much more proof of God do you need than an angel literally flying through the heavens with, with cameras broadcasting it all over the world? I mean, there's no other way to explain it. It removes any doubt whatsoever of there being a God, and men are still going to reject God and reject his salvation plan. God's got every right to be angry. When he's done everything he can to save mankind, and man still rejects him. And God is angry. And those that reject God and his salvation plan, they're going to experience the raw, naked judgment of God. And those seven vile judgments, which will be poured out, they're going to be bad. But not as bad as what the latter part of verse 10 says. They shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Pretty much they're going to hell. It's a place where the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. You and I can't even begin to imagine the pain and the torment. If you want to know what it's like, go home tonight and turn on your stove and put your hand on that burner while it's going. That's how bad hell is going to be. You know, preacher, you're crazy. And go home, put my hand on a hot stove. Well, there's a lot of people out here that are going to a devil's hell. That's a whole lot worse than that. And let me tell you, it is eternal. The Bible says forever and forever. And they rest not day nor night. No rest. I, 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 can't, I can't imagine that. And Dana will tell you, after, after being married to me over 20 years, when I ain't had no sleep, I can get kind of grumpy and grouchy. Hard to live with. <laughs> but the people in hell have no rest, day nor night, for all eternity. The degree of torment will never stop. Now, the emphasis is placed here on those who worship the beast, his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Uh, but let me tell you, all those who reject Jesus Christ are going to experience this fate. 
That's why it's important for you and I to do our part to get the message out to this lost and dying world. All right, verse 12, and uh, we'll wrap it up. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. The phrase there that says, here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus, that's really the definition of what a saint is when you think about it. As a child of God, you have that desire in you to live right, to keep the commandments of God and do that which is right. But if you'll be honest with yourself, you can't keep those commandments. No human being has ever kept them, and even those of us that are saved, we fall short of the glory of God. We fall short of keeping those commandments. Jesus even told his disciples, said, if you look at a woman and lust after, you've committed adultery already in your heart. So the sin is a heart thing. It comes from the heart. Breaking the commandments is, is, is as simple as having an evil thought towards someone. Situations and things can happen at times and you have feelings towards someone and you just want to take a gun and shoot them. You know, that's the same as murder in the eyes of God. So none of us can keep those commandments. But by keeping the faith of Jesus Christ, we can keep the commandments. Now, how all does that work? As long as you keep your faith in Christ and what he did at Calvary. And Jesus kept the commandments for us. And our faith in his finished work incorporates his perfect life and his death, burial, and resurrection. And by keeping our faith in Christ and what he did at Calvary, the Holy Spirit has the latitude to work within our hearts and lives. And I don't have to get up in the morning and, and look at the Ten Commandments and say, okay, i got to make sure today that I don't steal and I don't kill and, and so on and so forth. I don't even think about it. Uh, the Holy Spirit, throughout the days, if I get a little edge on my voice, the Holy Spirit is there to say, uh-uh, you, you shouldn't have said that and you, you shouldn't have done that. And, uh, you know, I think all of you can empathize with what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit is there to draw you closer to the Lord and to point out the things in your life that's wrong. But a saint of God, a Christian, is one that does his best to follow the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit, to do that which pleases the Lord. And the only way you can do that is by keeping the faith of Jesus Christ. Now... Here is the patience of the saints. What the Lord is saying here is that uh, the saints at that time will have to be patient because the Antichrist has got another three and a half years uh, to do his bidding. And those that are Christians at that time, they can't take the mark, not and be loyal to Christ. So they're going to have to be patient and wait on the Lord. And many of them are going to give their lives. And we can see that in verse 13. Uh, the Lord said, I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. They may suffer here in this world. 
for a while, and many will no doubt give their lives. But the Lord's got a special place in heaven for them. And it's a place of peace and a place of rest. And something else I want to point out here as we close tonight. The Bible says their works do follow them. Not only will the works that they do at that particular time follow them. But folks, I submit to you tonight the works that you and I are doing right now for the Lord. Those works are going to follow us into eternity. And the Lord's going to reward us for the work that we do for Him. And that's why it's very important for all of us to draw as close to the Lord as we can and do what He would have us to do. God's got every single one of you here for a reason. He's got every single one of you here for a purpose. And it's your responsibility to draw close to the Lord and find out what it is that He wants you to do. Because we all want to hear the Lord say one day, Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Praise God. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.